Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 115 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we're going to have some fun tonight woot, because woot. it's beer drinking time. It is. <laughs> woot woot. That's almost as bad as me saying crunk a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> woot woot. <laughs> no, um, me and Anthony were talking. We've been talking for a few minutes here and um, we've just had some weeks, man. We just had yeah. some stuff going on. It's been it's been one of those weeks. It really it has. has been. So, but we're excited to be with you again tonight, and uh, we're gonna review some beer and continue our study in Philippians. It's a good week too. I was uh, as I was working through the notes and and everything this week and mostly today. Um, I read all the stuff and and do a bunch of thinking about it during the week, and then like the day of, I try to jot down a bunch of notes so that we know know can stay mostly on track. Sometimes we deviate, but uh, we have but tracks it, to follow. Yes, we do use notes. I know it probably doesn't seem like it, but we do use notes. Um, and we could so yeah, see them. Yep. Michael, what you gonna drink tonight, man? Oh, we're going right into it. Okay, um, <laughs> might as well. <laughs> so tonight, I've got from a new brewery to the podcast, the Left Hand Brewing Company. They are based in. I should have looked it up. Uh, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? Do, 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 do. Um, Longmont, Longmont, Colorado. Yes, that is Longmont. Longmont. I don't know how to... Sp- I don't, anyway. So, <laughs> Left Hand Brewing Company, Longmont, Colorado. I have the peanut butter milk stout. Um, it's got what looks to be peanut butter cups on... Reese's. On the oh wait, can we say that? I don't know if we can say Reese's. <laughs> I said generic peanut butter cups um, on the can, and as a fan of peanut butter cups, specifically Reese's, um, <laughs> I'm hoping that this is a good one. It's a 6.2 percent ABV with 25 IBUs, and the can has a description here. It says a rich milk chocolate notes. Team up with peanut buttery perfection for a deliciously dark duo. So, I'm excited about this. It's kind of a retro looking. And it's a cool looking can. It's a cool can. Um, Cool looking design. I'm excited about this one. Left Hand Brewing Company. Um, If you you follow Matt Mitchell on whatever Instagram or TikTok that he's on, he did a post the other day about the correct way to say Reese's. And he says, a lot of you people say Reese's. And I was like, well, that's what it is. He says, no, it's Reese's. And I was like, no, you're you're just wrong on this one, Is that Matt. the guy that I'm does sorry. the SEC roll calls? Yes. Those are hilarious to me. Yes. 
He's from Alabama. He lives in Birmingham. He, I think he's done stuff with the SEC shorts people too. Uh, but he's hilarious. I love his, I love his videos. He, um, we're already off topic. Look at that. This is not in our notes. <laughs> a few, a couple of weeks ago, he reviewed all of the Little Debbie ice creams. Yes, that was pretty interesting. And I was like, I don't know if I want to try them now, but because <laughs> his his overall uh, review of them was not too terribly uh, flattering. But oh, <laughs> it's just he, like he also like, loves Christmas trees. He does. He loves he, Christmas tree cakes. <laughs> yes. Um, no, his his reviews of the Little Debbie ice creams. In case you were wondering, which you probably weren't, but <laughs> but you're gonna find out <laughs> you're anyway. Find out. No, um, so they were basically um, there was like two or three that were better than he was expecting, but the others were all pretty much like garbage. They were I, not. I would have to say they were not good. Is yeah. is what his what his overall review was. See, Little Debbie's are good. Little Little Debbie's with ice cream are good. But Little Debbie ice cream? Yeah, I don't know that I can go there. If the right people got a hold of it, maybe. Maybe. I just don't think the right people got a hold of this. Anyway, so I'm drinking a peanut butter milk stout from Left Hand Brewing Company. Left Hand Brewing. Not to Um, be confused with Left Nut. Anthony, (laughs) what are you drinking? Tonight I have, uh, I mentioned it last week, and I managed to show self-control for an entire week and not drink uh, the King Cake Ale from uh, Chandelier Island Brewing Company. And I couldn't find anything on their website, but I do have on the can, it says this right here. It says the King Cake Ale originated as a collaboration with Le Bakery, which I think is in New Orleans, possibly. Sounds but anyway, about right. Um, we were combing through their cakes with our flagship beer. Or I'm sorry, combining their cakes. I don't know why I said combing. We were combining their cakes with our flagship beer, Freemason. Uh, today, this beer has been formulated to still shine the delicious king cake flavor profile of Le Bakery's infamous cakes, but it is now fully fermented for our customers to enjoy from any location, especially at a Mardi Gras parade. And so I love king cakes. And if you've ever had king cakes, you probably love king cakes. And if you don't love king cakes, then you probably need Jesus. So I'm just going to put that out there. But if this tastes like a king cake, I'm going to be really happy because I like king cakes. King Cinnamon, cake, vanilla, cream cheese. Is king cake the one that has the baby in it? Yes, it is. Okay. And if you get the baby, it's like 177 years of good luck. So they say. No. <laughs> okay. So that's what I'm drinking tonight, and I'm hoping it's going to be good. We can talk about our weeks after we crack open our beers. I'm just ready to get some beer cracked open is what I'm ready to get. We don't have to talk about our weeks at all. If we don't want to dive into that, we don't have to. I mean, if it's easier just to say, you know what? We're just drinking our beer and then we're, we're just going to talk about the Bible. Tonight. Maybe that's easier. I don't know. But let's crack we'll our see. beers open and see what we have going. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Mmm. I have a feeling. This this smells very similar to, and I thought it was going to. This smells very similar to the um, grandma's apple pie. Okay. Um. So, holy smokes! On that note, I'm gonna do this real quick. Hang on. You're gonna go ahead and grab a second one. <laughs> yeah, gonna- see, see, I was. I was proactive. I already have two sitting here of mine. Yeah, you you already had two, but I'm going to just do this right here. Oh, 
Oh, he's yeah, going to go ahead and going. open the second one. We're just okay. going to go ahead and go right with it. <laughs> Since I've got my big uh, beers and Bible stein that Lauren made us mm-hmm. out tonight, then I can fit more than one beer in my cup. Shout out, Lauren. Shout out, Lauren. Hashtag Chronicles of Lauren. Um, there we go. And I'm getting better at pouring beer this week, too, for the record. So mine smells like peanut butter. That's good. That's what it should smell like, yeah. I would think. My my issue is, um, one time I bought a bottle of peanut butter whiskey. What is that stuff called? That's called, uh, um, there's a popular one. It's Tennessee something. Uh, doesn't matter. I bought a <laughs> bottle of it, and I did not like it. Oh, you didn't? No, I, I wasn't a fan of it. And I, th- I don't know if it was because it was like artificial peanut butter. Screwball. Screwball is the. Nope, that wasn't it. Popular one. That's not the one I had. Let's see here. Tennessee peanut butter whiskey. Old Smoky Moonshine. Old Smoky yep. was the name okay. of the company. I don't think I've ever had a good Old Smoky Moonshine. So they have this thing called the Reese's Peanut Butter Shot. And it's, um, it is Screwball and, what is it, Kahlua? Sounds about right. I'm trying, and, and it's supposed to taste like a Reese's peanut butter. And I was like, mm, I better not try that because that might be bad for me. But this smells but, like, this smells like peanut butter with a little chocolate. Well, that's what you want. Mine smells like cake. Like it, it legit smells like cake. I this like is, cake. This is going to be good. I hope it's If this good. is not good, I'm going to be upset. Especially since you've already poured two of them. You can't waste them. True. True story. Well, let's turn them up and uh, see how they do. Cheers. Cheers. That's interesting. How's the how's the Reese's non named peanut butter cup? Well, it doesn't claim to be Reese's, so <laughs> let's just go out. And I will say Reese's till the day I die. I don't care what Matt Mitchell says. <laughs> That's right. You're um, wrong, Matt Mitchell. I mean, he may be right. Maybe it is a guy named Reese. I think I've actually heard that before. That the peanut butter cup company was started by somebody whose name was Reese. So it would have been Reese's and not Reese's. It's true. If it but, was Reese, then that would be Reese. But how do you spell how do you spell Reese? You could spell Reese R E E S E. I could see that happening. I could see <laughs> as someone who minored in English, I could see how that's not a big leap. Um this is this is It's not doing it for you. I can sense it. It's not as chocolatey as I would like it to be. Okay. It's the same problem that the peanut butter whiskey had. It's too much peanut butter. Yeah. Now, granted, this doesn't say, it doesn't claim, well, I guess it did claim it on the can, didn't it? I mean, it's got a picture. Rich rich milk chocolate notes team up with peanut buttery perfection. I mean, the peanut butter flavor is really good. It's really smooth. It's It's pretty sweet. Um... 
very rich, very rich. I probably won't drink yeah. the second one actually. Um, I'll make it something else instead. Um, maybe not. I don't know. It's it's a very rich flavor. Um, and maybe that's what I'm finding out is that peanut butter and alcohol just ends up being rich. <laughs> I could see this being like a. Uh, Excuse me. I can see this being like a dessert or with a cigar kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I think may just be a a uh, a, qual- a quality of uh, stouts in general. Is that like yeah they go with cigars? Um, mm-hmm. But I will, man. What do I want to give this? Why don't you talk about yours and I will rate okay. mine in a second. You think about yours. So the king cake ale definitely has king cake flavor very, like, it's there. The king cake flavor is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's interesting mixing it with the the beer, so the uh, Freemason. I've never had Freemason. Maybe I need to go try that one and see. Um, but it makes for an interesting texture and an interesting aftertaste. Okay. And I don't know that I like the aftertaste of it. The initial taste is good. The aftertaste, what lingers, is kind of, it's almost like, it's almost a little bit too bitter, which is weird. I understand it's weird, but it's, it's. I don't know how to describe it other than bitter. Okay. And so, like, I can still, I'm trying to think of, of a cake that, like, when you eat it, it's sweet, and then when you swallow it it kind of just leaves a weird aftertaste in your mouth but i don't know that i know one that does that because i really like all cake so um it's not a five luther for me because of that because of the aftertaste but Mm -hmm. as good as it is i I am gonna come in i'll give mine four and a half luthers because it's uh they nailed the flavor the king cake flavor is great mixing it with the the beer uh, whatever the Freemason is, I've never had the Freemason, but if it's a, sounds like it's just a regular ale. So, um, mixing it with that does, I mean, it makes an interesting combo for, for beer. I would agree that this is probably similar to yours in that. I don't know. I maybe probably shouldn't have opened my second one, but I did. And I'm going to drink it anyway. It, it It's good, but it wouldn't be more than I'm going to have one or two of these at mm-hmm. a time, you yeah. know? So, and it's a good dessert beer. Okay. So there you go. There's the King cake ale. Have you have you figured out where you're gonna land on yours? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm I was really struggling between uh between two scores here, um, and I think I I think I'm gonna end up landing at four Luthers on this one. I thought um, you were gonna go three and a half. I was. That's where I was. I was like, it's between three and a half and four. It's not <laughs> as bad as a three and a half. It just didn't yeah. meet my expectations of. Yeah. A peanut butter cup, which is probably my own fault. So I can't hold it against the beer. Because <laughs> um, it doesn't say that it's a peanut butter cup. It says that it's peanut butter and chocolate mixed together. Those are two different things. It's so, true. But if you put a picture of a peanut butter cup on your beer can, you're kind of asking for it. That's fair. But <laughs> I'm still going to give it four Luthers. Um, okay. The flavor is good. Uh, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's very, very rich. So it's definitely like... One, maybe two max mm-hmm. um, at a time. Like I said before, probably good. Um, enjoyed with a cigar or a pipe or something like that, or just like 
over a fire, maybe like with, around a bonfire or something. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to end up landing at four out of five Luthers for the peanut butter milk stout from Left Hand. Well, there you go. There's a couple of beers. We got the King Cake from Chandelure. We got the peanut butter from, what was yours called? Left Hand. Left Hand. I keep wanting to call it the the one that's in Gainesville, Left Nut. I keep wanting to call it Left Nut Brewing, mm-hmm. but that's not it. So That's not it at all. <laughs> totally two different states and everything. So there you go. Four and a half on the King Cake. Four on the peanut butter. Uh, good representation there. We appreciate the beers. Uh, we appreciate... Uh, anybody, if y'all want to make recommendations, we're still open for them. Send us stuff. Uh, we're always looking for what we haven't seen and what we might be able to get our hands on. So, hey, real quick, so we've mentioned we mentioned that pretty much every episode. There's one guy on Instagram that tags us all the time in posts wherein he's out drinking. Yes. Do you think and he's he always drinks them? It, uh, he might be. Chardwick fifty one. Yeah. I think is his Instagram tag. He's always at uh what's it? It's the it's a local place to like south to Florida because he's somewhere near me. He's like yeah. an hour and a half or two hours from me. Yeah. I wonder if that's like his like he's never come out and said, Hey, you should try all these things that I so uh C Hardwick fifty one. C Hardwick, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, are you suggesting beers to us or <laughs> or what? Because if you are, we'll try to find them. If you're not, we'll just keep lacking the posts and be like, okay, that's cool. He um, goes to, uh, or he, there's one, uh, it's, oh, I've done, it was the the mango one from, oh gosh, 30 or thirty or so episodes ago. Um, the harp, what is From the, Harpoon? No, it wasn't Can't Harpoon. Can't want a mango? Not that one. There's another mango one. Mangrove. Mangrove. Okay. Who Who makes the mangrove? Oyster City Brewing Company. That's he's always at Oyster City Brewing Company. Okay. okay. In Apalachicola, which is like two hours from me. Okay. Um, and so yeah, he's so I I'm assuming he's somewhere down in, in that part of Florida. Um, but he does he does a he posts a lot from there and he's having different OC Oyster City Brewing Company beers. Mm-hmm. So I just like seeing stats because I like seeing where he's he travels a lot too. I don't I don't even know what he does uh for work or anything, but he travels a lot and he drinks beer wherever where he goes so there you go but see hardwick 51 let us know if you want us to try some of these because i might could get one or two of them some of them we've had but uh but i'm always willing to try something new so anyway there's some beer reviews for you we're gonna take a short break we're gonna gear up for uh philippians chapter 2 we're gonna make it through verse 18 of chapter 2 tonight so stick around and we will be right back Welcome back. Uh, Anthony and I have, uh, are continuing to enjoy our beers, and tonight we are going to uh, continue our study in Philippians. We're rolling right through here, and we're in uh, chapter 2, 
And we're going to pick up in verse 12 and uh, discuss through verse 18 tonight. Um, and so we're going to start here as we're just going to read those verses together and um, then get into our discussion. So if you have your copy of God's Word, um, turn to Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 12 and go through verse 18. I'm reading the Holman Christian Standard, and I was joking with Anthony. I'm actually using my hard copy Bible tonight because <laughs> um, it was sitting here, and I thought it would be cool to use it. So here we go. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, and here's what the word says. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Hold firmly the message of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run in vain or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you also should rejoice and share your joy with me. One of the things I like about Paul is that Paul rarely minces words or ideas. You pretty much know what Paul is thinking most of the time. He's very straightforward. Yeah. Like and he's he's he writes um what he's feeling, what he's thinking. Um mm-hmm. there's no like interpretation much having to be done with his words. Like there's some parts of the Bible where you're like, it could mean this or it could mean that, and Paul's like, Nope, this is what I mean. <laughs> and he puts a stamp on it, you know? And and how we apply that to our lives could look very different but what paul yeah. is writing to the philippians is very like this is what he's saying yeah. and it's very matter of fact and it, it's yeah. like there's there's no argument on what paul is saying here yeah yeah one of the you know two i guess not to say one two of the themes that have continued through philippians then we're going to continue to see is number one laser focus on on the gospel mm-hmm. and then number two joy Joy is this theme that runs through it, and you see it this week. You saw it a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's it's leading up to talking about the humility of Christ that we discussed last week. Following the humility of Christ, he's talking about it again. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what he's doing here is is he's he's giving application to the the idea of imitating Christ. And and you know, we talked last week about the imitation of Christ and how our lives should be humble representations of what Christ did. Christ gave up. He, he didn't empty himself. The, the, the word is empty, but he humbled himself to live in, in human form and mm-hmm. take on even death, death on a cross. Yeah. Okay. And so that humility and that humbleness is what we are to imitate. And so, Thinking about that, and and we talked a little bit about it last week, but thinking about that is really hard to do. And so, just in in classic Paul, he follows it right up with, "Therefore, here's how you do that." Yeah, you know, he's giving direct application to what is the process of sanctification in these verses. I imagine some guys in the back of the church in Philippi, when they get through verses like 
11. When they get to verse 11, they're going like, how in the world are we supposed to do this? And then they keep reading, and then at they get to the verse eight, end of verse 18, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> now, Paul's got us. I guess we're okay now. Um, yeah, so really the, the section we just read, verses 12 through 18 here, really breaks down into three main sections three mm-hmm. segments um and, and what paul's going to do here is is explain how what the process of sanctification looks like that's all that's yeah. ultimately what's going to be the the theme of these verses and there's three three sections here uh verses 12 and 13 um paul is going to connect what god is doing god's work to our work mm-hmm. verses 14 and 15 Paul's going to connect um, the attitude of the people to um, shining as lights in the world for the gospel, for Jesus. And then the last three verses, verses 16 through 18, Paul's going to connect sacrifice to rejoicing. And like you just talked about, like the main theme of Philippians, I I would say the main theme of Philippians is going to be joy regardless of circumstances. Yeah. And, Yeah. And imitating Christ, like Christ had... Christ was thinking about the people who had him on the cross while he was on the cross. Yeah. Like these are the people who literally nailed him in and Jesus was praying for them. Like his mind was not on his circumstances. His, his yeah. so he wasn't concerned with that. Paul, mm-hmm. he's in jail. He's writing count it all joy whenever you, fa- like, yeah. like he, 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 he's written all these things about joy regardless of his circumstances. And so, I I I think that I'm what I'm going to end up getting out of this whole study through Philippians is that I should find my joy in Jesus regardless of what my circumstances are. Yeah, yeah, which which dovetails perfectly off of where we just came from in Lamentations mm-hmm. and talking about what suffering should actually do. It should continually produce joy in us, and it should continually push us to trust God. And joy and trust have a a very unique relationship in the Christian's life because you have joy in circumstances where a lot of people would look at you and say, why are you the way you are? What is it that's different about you? Why is it that you react to things differently than a lot of people do? And why is it that you have this attitude that is kind of always optimistic or always looking for the good in something? And, and you know, a lot of times that's the way a joyful attitude or a joyful disposition comes out. Yeah. Is people are always kind of, you, you know, you've always, you've met that guy, and we're actually going to talk about this tonight. You've met that guy that when you say something, he always or she always is going to find the wrong thing, something wrong with it. And then there's that person, when you say something, you're like, man, it's just not that great. But they're always like, man, it may not be great right now, but if we just keep pushing on, if, if we try, if we do something different, if we do something, you know, we're going to succeed or we're going to do this, we're going to, you know, finish this. And and they, they always have that positive, optimistic attitude. Mm-hmm. And, and don't hear what I'm saying, because there is a whole philosophy built around like, you know, the power of positive thinking. That's not what we're talking about here. You know, this is not about being unrealistically positive and thinking that you can manifest things out of positive thoughts. This is about a mindset that says, God has blessed me with salvation, therefore I'm going to be, you know, a different type of person to the world around me. I'm going to carry myself differently 
in reflection of God. It's more about finding the silver lining in the storm cloud than yeah. being like, oh, it'll all work out because I think it'll work out. Like, yeah. and, and what you were talking <laughs> about, like describing those two people, like how different do you feel when you interact with like the negative Nancy versus like the overly positive <laughs> yeah. person? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I feel like we should all strive to be not overly like bubbly positive. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be very honest right now. Do the it. Over bubbly, positive people that like work at Chick-fil-A <laughs> drive me nuts. I just want to. I, I can just, totally see that. I just want to be like, I just want my food and I want you to leave me alone. <laughs> like, like that's like, that's, that's, I don't know. Just if that give makes me, me my Jesus chicken and shut up. <laughs> I don't know if that makes me a bad person or what, but, but like. We should all be striving to be somebody that when people interact with us, they're not yeah. emotionally drained or they don't dread bringing something to us or whatever. Exactly. And, and yeah. I feel I do feel like there's a lot of Christians who walk around with that cloud of like people don't want to interact with them. Yeah. Woe is me. Yeah. Or they, yeah. or they are always looking for the negative, or they, or, mm-hmm. or they never bring anything positive to the table. They're always like, "No, yeah. we can't do that because of this, this, and this." Yeah. Or they shoot down any any ideas that are, you know, that could be good, but they don't want to yeah. do the work to make it. So, I, I feel like there's a weird place where you don't want to be overly positive unrealistically, mm-hmm. but you don't want to be so like real or realistic that no one wants to interact with you. You know, like exactly like, like there, there's a, there's a really fine line there. There is. There is. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to break this down verse by verse and kind of walk through Paul's thoughts on all of this, this stuff, because everything that we just hit on, Paul is going to is really going to kind of lay out in these six, six or seven verses here. So let's pick it up right in verse 12. He starts off with everybody's favorite word, therefore. Uh, my ESV version says, therefore, I think yours said something a little my, bit mine different. Mine says, said, so, so then. Yeah. So either way, the same word, you know, and you got to remember the context that we're coming off of. And a couple of the commentaries that I was reading, it was interesting. They actually tied the context all the way back to chapter one in verse 27. So basically, 127 through verse 18 is kind of this one overarching context. Okay, so go back to to chapter 1, verse 27, and it starts off, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. So all of this Mm -hmm. is in the context of living your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Okay, so tie all of this together right here, and, and what you've got is Christians should be living their life worthy of the gospel. We're imitating Christ who humbled himself, Mm -hmm. and... The way that we're going to do that is what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, I remember back when we were talking about this when Paul when Paul said like just one thing or or yeah you know or you know like I was like hold on one more thing and then Paul writes all this other stuff <laughs> and now we get down to t- verse twelve and he's like therefore so then and it's almost like Paul is saying okay now for real one more thing <laughs> <laughs> you know he's going to keep giving us one more thing is what he's going to keep yeah. doing which it, I mean if there's anyone who has the clout to do that. It's Paul. It's Paul. <laughs> it's Paul. So in this transition right here, in, in this thought, Paul is going to give the church in Philippi, the Philippian church, he's going to give them a commendation and a command. 
Mm-hmm. And he's going to do it in the first two opening verses, okay? The commendation is going to be, as you have always obeyed. So he's he's telling them, hey, I know you guys. Now, remember, just earlier in chapter 3, or in chapter 2, he was not really all that nice about them when he said, you know, um, he's telling them to put others above themselves. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's, it's worded in a way and I don't think we hit on it a lot. It's worded in a way that's almost like you're you're letting your kid get in trouble, and they know they're in trouble, and you know they're in trouble, but you're trying to be nice about it. Mm. And and so you know, think about it that way. So he's kind of lightly scolding the church, then talking about Christ, and now he's saying, "But you you do obey. You always obey. So you yeah. you have you're doing some things right. You're doing something right, and so." As they're obeying, that's his commendation to them. And he's pointing out to their faithfulness, and he's saying, you guys know what to do. You know how to do it, and you do it right. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to, in a little bit, he's going to move into um, the command, which is going to come, work out your own salvation. Yeah. Now, I said when we started this that Paul is right to the point. There's a lot of people who say Paul is right to the point, but they get to the wrong point. Um there's a lot of people who would put this as a works-based salvation idea. Work out your own salvation. And it's not that at all. Read the context. Look at the words. He's talking to the Philippian church. He's not singling out one person. He's talking to them in a plural form context, grammatically speaking. Mm-hmm. All the words he's using are plural form. So this is not, he's not zeroing in and telling them, you need to, you need to, you need to. He's not telling them one-on-one they need to. He's saying, you mm-hmm. need to. Everyone in here needs to do this. And it's it's a group effort. It's a corporate effort is what this is. Yeah. And so Paul is encouraging the church not to be works-based, but to work your salvation, work as a church, help each other do this together. Does that make sense? I mean, sort of. <laughs> like, like, like the the whole idea of like sanctification versus justification is like a very, um, it's a very foreign concept if you haven't been studying scripture, right. or theology, or doctrine for any any length of time. And we've talked about it before, where our salvation, like when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are justified. Yes, in, in that moment, we are justified. There's no yes. nothing. There's no process. There's no anything we have to do or anything that is required of us to be justified. When we accept yeah. the work of of Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins mm-hmm. so that we could have eternal life with him and be saved from damnation and hell, that we are justified in that moment. Yes. Declared not guilty. Yeah. That's not what Paul's talking about here. No. <laughs> Paul's, Paul's talking about the process of sanctification, which is the process by which we become more and more like Jesus yeah. And, we, and we get in our wills line up more with his. We see the world through his eyes. We see the the needs that um that are that there are around us and we live for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And our sanctification process continues until the day we die. Like, right. like there, there's no we are never fully sanctified until we are glorified. That's right. We're not working for our salvation. We're working out the salvation that we already have. Right. 
It, and that there's a big key difference in those yeah, words. It, it's got nothing to do with like earning our salvation. It is because of our salvation, mm-hmm. we are doing these things. It's not a we are doing these things to get our salvation. Yeah. And I'm, I'm I mean, trying, I'm trying to think of what an analogy would be, like a good analogy. The well, um, the the key verses that I'm thinking about here are Ephesians chapter two. You know, is by grace you have been saved through faith, which is a gift of God. It is not of your own. And so, mm-hmm. when you when you tie what Paul is talking about here to Ephesians chapter two, then you get this the the kind of broader context of what salvation actually is. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, there was a quote in in one of the, the commentaries, the Christ-centered commentary that we're using that I loved, and it says, um, God has worked salvation for us by his sovereign grace alone. Remember Ephesians chapter 2, okay? Christ has done the work on the cross to bring us justification, exactly what you just talked about. It was finished on the cross. If you are in Christ, you are justified. Sanctification is about living in light of this gracious gift of salvation. It's the mindset change. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about that mindset change mm-hmm. that says, I'm going to live differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gracious gift of salvation, living in light of our new position and our new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yeah. And when you're a new creation, you have a new identity. And that identity is in Christ. It is found in Christ. It is grounded in Christ. And everything is based in Christ. Right. So like you were saying, the you know, this passage is not teaching Paul's not writing to individuals. He's re- writing mm-hmm. to the corporate church, the the church body at Philippi. Yeah. Um in this phrase which I'm going to let you read cuz I don't read Hebrew <laughs> or whatever or Greek or whatever that is. Um but the phrase work out your own is uh at let me see if I can do this. Alton Soterian Keter Godzethe. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got a couple of those wrong, but it, that's pretty close. Um, but yeah, all of those words, like I said earlier, those are all in plural form. And right. that, like that's why I stuck them in there. All of those are plural form words. Mm-hmm. And so Paul is not singling out a person, and he's not talking each individually person. He's saying as a group, as a collective body of believers, this yeah. is what you should be doing. Yeah, and it's important that we take Paul's words to heart because we as believers, we don't mature in isolation. No. We we have to be in a community. And, and I mean, it's not to say that you can't mature, but we will mature much better in community yeah. than if we were on our own. Um, and, and, you know, you wrote here in the notes that it's contrary to American culture. Like American culture, mm-hmm. especially right now, is like get as by yourself as possible. Yeah. And, and don't look at anybody. Don't like we've been in our house. I'm just I was, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days. We moved into our house September of 2020. Mm-hmm. I know the names of the people right next door. And the dog on the other side of our house. Like the dog in the in the house the other way, and that's only because the lady next door yells at him all the time, and he has a really like funny name for a dog. But it's like I've lived here for sixteen, you know, sixteen months. Yeah, and I don't know anybody. Yeah, and it's just because like I get in my house, I get my stuff out of my car, 
I get home, get stuff out of my car, get in my house. Yeah. Close the garage door, lock it, turn the lights off. <laughs> you know, like don't don't I, tell anybody we're home. <laughs> I'm not here. You know, and, and it's it's terrible. And, and but that's just the mentality of American culture. Yeah. And if you've done any traveling anywhere else in the world, you know that we are very unique in that in that stance. I almost said yeah. very weird, but it, I mean it's unique, but it is also weird. Yeah. And, and then you also, but then you have like the church world is. Oh, make sure you're in community. Make sure you're in groups. And it's like, I don't, I have to do what now? Like, <laughs> you know, it, it's a very, uh, almost hypocritical. Yeah. Of us as American believers to say like, yes, we love Jesus, but my time in my house is my time in my house, you know? Yeah. There's a book, um, and, and I just, it just popped in my mind. I think I've recommended it before. Um, there's a book by Rosaria Butterfield called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Mm-hmm. And yep. mm-hmm. she talks about basically her conversion experience through being invited to this pastor's home. And now, I mean, Rosaria Butterfield was not like, she wasn't sure, like, I go to church once a month. I'm a good person. She was like, nope, I am a lesbian. I am... <laughs> You know, I teach gender studies, and this is the life that she was living. And she said, but in spite of all that, in spite of all the ways that these people, this family, this couple disagreed with my lifestyle, they still invited me to dinner and said, open invitation to dinner whenever you want to come. And so she started going, and and they they invested in her. They talked to her. Mm -hmm. They got to know her. They prayed for her. And and what ends up happening is she comes out of a homosexual lifestyle. She gets married to um, a Presbyterian minister. She and now she what she talks about in the gospel comes with a house key is she's doing the same thing that she learned from that couple. Yeah, who brought her who brought the gospel to her through their hospitality. Yeah, um, and she said, you know, everybody on our street knows on this night I'm going to cook a huge pot of soup and everybody's welcome to walk in the door. You don't knock, you, you know, you just walk in the door, get you a bowl. The bowls are over there, you know, grab some, let's sit down and eat. And they'll, they'll have Bible studies on certain nights. They'll do stuff. But mm-hmm. she said her house is known as the place where people go and hang. And that has led to gospel conversations. You're not forcing, you're not like, come to my house for this presentation of the gospel. You know, yeah. it's not like that, but it's come to my house for dinner and then eventually you get to the gospel. Yeah. It, we've said it before, but people don't want don't want don't care about what you have to say until they know that you care about them as people. Right. Exactly. You know, like you can't the days of just screaming the gospel or scre- like standing on a soapbox on the corner saying mm-hmm. repent or die, repent or burn like those days are long gone. Yeah. Like we live in a, we live in a world now, especially in the American church in America, where if you don't show your neighbors that you care about them, they're not going to care about anything you have to yeah. say regarding yeah. the gospel, regarding Jesus, regarding church. Mm-hmm. Like there, there has to be some like it may be uncomfortable to invite your lesbian neighbors over for dinner. <laughs> be- just to get to know them and not like yeah. it may be in you know I haven't talked it, it's it's very similar to counseling right like yeah and and I know this because my wife is a counselor so this is this is where I'm going with this but 
you know, she'll have a, a couple of sessions with somebody and they haven't even got to the reason why they're in counseling yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just getting to know each other and it may take, yeah, it, it, it takes forever sometimes for people to get comfortable enough to say, this is what's going on and this is how mm-hmm. I'm feeling and this is where all these things are coming from. It's the same yeah. thing with gospel conversations in 21st century America. Yeah. Yeah. And when you get to the point that you're you're doing that with people, you are working out. That's what you're doing. You're working out your salvation. Mm-hmm. And you're saying you're being open, you're being honest, you're in community with one another. Yeah. You're in you're in discipleship with one another. Um you're accountable to one another. I mean, this is why this is why the body of Christ and meeting with the body of Christ is is such a vital thing. Yeah. And, you know, we can argue about mega churches, tiny churches, house churches, whatever kind of churches you want to argue about, that's fine. We can argue about that, but that does not negate the point that you need to be meeting physically with a body of believers. Even if it's 10, 15, 20, you yeah. know, a, a a twenty person church can meet as the same as a twenty thousand member church. Yeah, and so it's it's about being together. But this is why things like online church scare me so much because online church only reinforces that American rugged individualism that says I can do this by myself. Yeah, all I need is a person on a screen to not really hold me accountable. That's all I need. Yeah. It's and a, so it's a convenience thing, and my wife exactly. and I, we've we've, I mean, there have been some Sundays, especially like last few months or whatever. Like if we've been not just feeling it or just tired or whatever. Oh like, yeah, like it's real easy. Just say you know what, well, let's just watch it today and not go. Yeah, and I've, it's I've it's done the same thing. I mean, it's it's really hard to. I mean. It sounds so stupid when you say it out loud, but it's like, it's really hard to get up and get dressed and get to my 11 o'clock service on time to the church that is seven minutes from my house. <laughs> you know, like some people drive an hour for yeah. to go to the church that they're a part of. So, But I mean, they, I think there's a place for the online church thing. Yeah. And in, in certain circumstances, but it should not be like... It, should, it is not a substitute for physically no. meeting. It should not be the norm. It should be the exception. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, I mean, like, totally if agree. your church offers online, uh, that's great. I, my church offers online, you mm-hmm. know, but what I'm, what I'm driving at is there's churches who have created an e-campus or an online campus and they're treating it like we have this online church plant. No, you don't. Right. You do not have an online church plant, and I will. You can argue it till you're blue in the face, and I'm gonna look at you and I'm gonna say you're an idiot because you're arguing something stupid. Right. You something, know something my church does really well is that they encourage and they actually like. I I want to say this. I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but they like. Um, not empower. What's the other word that means them? It's like empower. Equip. They, e- equip. Equip. Okay. They, yeah. they equip people to have house church, like home churches, yeah. where they'll have 15, 20 people come and mm-hmm. watch the service together. And then they have like a, uh, they have a, a, he's essentially like an online church pastor, like a, ho- like a home yeah. church pastor. And he'll, 
say like, okay, you know, now that we've had the sermon, here's some like discussion questions and discuss them with the people in your, in your group. Or if you don't want to just like think about them as you go throughout the day, like I feel like my church does like, not to say like my church has it figured out because no (laughs) church has it figured out really, but like they do a good job of saying like, of one equipping and there's like home churches all over the place, but they like equipping the people to do mm-hmm. what they need to do to have home church, but also to like, not just saying just watch it and whatever happens, happens like they're, they have yeah, like exactly. very, they have focus like there's something that is just for the home church people. And then they watch the whole service and then there's something for that's just for the home church people. Like it's not straight yeah. to all the campuses that stuff at the end where's here's the discussion questions. Like, yeah, like that, that's very, I feel like it's a it's a good like balance between yeah yes it's obvious that you're watching church online and yes you're and it's like beginning to end worship preaching mm-hmm. all that stuff is all online for them yeah. but also like here's this thing that's just for our home church gatherings wherever sure. they are yeah yeah it's it's not to say that that being online church is wrong but. You have to have some way of being in the physical presence of somebody else in your church so that you can be a part of the sanctification process. Yeah. And however your church does that, I hope it's great, you know. So, but anyway, uh, we rabbit trailed that. We That's totally okay. did. That's okay. <laughs> it was a good discussion, though. I liked it. Um, so we're working out our salvation, and then he tags this thing on there with fear and trembling. And... um if you're familiar with the Message Bible and if you've read anything by Eugene Peterson, I love that the the commentary, the author of the commentaries brought this up. Eugene Peterson talks about sanctification this way. He says, it's long obedience in the same direction. Mm. And that that to me, like everything that we just talked about hits on that right there. Long obedience in the same direction. If yeah. you are not seeing that in your life, then you're not appropriately attached to a body of believers Mm. because that is what church is going to do. It's going to create long obedience in the same direction. You're doesn't mean you get it right every time, but when you stumble and fall, you get up and you keep going. Yeah. And then you stumble and fall and you get, and and the process repeats and it, but you keep moving, you keep pushing forward Um, because that's what the sanctification process is. And that's, that's what is so contrary to this this fast-paced, event-driven um, culture that we have so much in our churches where, yeah. you know, come to this man's event and this woman's event and this youth event and this kid event and this uh, VBS event and this youth camp. You know, you got all these events that you, that you line up in successive order to keep drawing people into your church. And if you stripped all that away, would, would anybody still come to your church? Right. You know, if all you did was meet and have worship on Sunday and did nothing else, would people still come to your church? No. Because they're getting the gospel? Or would they fall off to the wayside and go to the other church who's doing the events and the cool stuff? Mm. You know, it's it's a challenge. Yeah, it is. And and I feel like there's got to be some semblance of balance, right? Like, Mm -hmm. of course, you want your church to have some a couple of big events a year, whatever yeah. those things are, but they shouldn't be, and they should never be a substitute for true discipleship and true sanctification. Right. You know, like 
if you are counting on those events to be a placeholder for opportunities of discipleship or opportunities of sanctification, mm-hmm. I really feel like you're doing a disservice to your people. And at some point, your people are going to realize that the your church is not equipped to disciple or sanctify appropriately, right, right. and they're going to go somewhere else. Like, it doesn't matter what you do on Sunday mornings. Yeah. If the Monday through Saturday doesn't – I don't even know how to word it. If you're a mile wide but an inch deep, you're you're not getting very far. Yeah. That's, a good, that's a good way to word it. <laughs> if you're a mile wide and an inch deep, you're not going very far. And so, you know, it's – what what discipleship does is it continues to produce deeper, more mature Christians who have mm-hmm. more wisdom – and it reminds me of Proverbs 9.10 that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Mm-hmm. The further, you, the deeper you make the waters, the more the, you're you're going to attract a different kind of... There, I mean, there's people who only want us to, to sit in that, you know, less than ankle deep water. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there, there are churches for them to do that in. I'm I'm thinking about that Lutheran satire video <laughs> with the the uh, swimmer. You know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes, <laughs> Tyler. The Tyler learns Tyler, to swim or something. Yeah, yeah. We we all, we should post that somewhere. But anyway, but yeah, I, that, I mean that's very true. Like if you don't if you don't ever like really get plugged in and really get into discipleship and and get into a group of people who are struggling and and working through things and figuring out like how to do this whole Jesus thing and balance life and work and church and figuring yeah. it all out together like you're not going to get any deeper and when it start when stuff starts getting hard you're just going to be like okay I'm just going to get out of this pool and go do something else yeah like I don't know um man I feel like we could talk forever about that <laughs> I really can. do um, we can. But if we did that, we wouldn't get to verse 14. We're still in <laughs> verses 12 and 13 of our notes. Um, we've got four more verses to tackle tonight. So we're, or, we're going to do this. But we've, so we've been talking about fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. And um, I brought up Proverbs 9 10 to, to say that the fear of God is rooted. This is not a, an afraid type of fear that Paul's talking about here. He's rooting this in that wisdom, that deep knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that lets us, you know, that finishes out verse verse 13, who for, uh, let's see here, where am I at? Verse 13. Um, who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that reminds me of Romans eight twenty eight, which we've cited almost every week on this one. It, re- it actually reminds me of Philippians 1, 6. Remember chapter one, what God started, he's going to finish. He'll yeah. bring it to completion. Yeah. And so... That with that frame in mind, the idea that the fear and the trembling that we're talking about is fear of God, the knowledge of God, that's going to push us into verses 14 and 16 when Paul opens it right up. Do all things without grumbling or dispute. Yours says arguing, grumbling or arguing. And I think yeah. it said grumbling or yeah. arguing. Mm-hmm. And so the immediate application that Paul is putting down here is. You got because of this. If you're if you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling, you're not going to grumble. You're not going to argue. You're going to be a person who is seen as the positive. You know, yeah. this is the person who's always looking for the solution. 
And yeah. that I think that's that's a better way to say it. You know, all it, it's not a problem; it's an opportunity. Yeah, that you know that there's that mm-hmm. guy, and this is such a hard concept for the church to to wrap their minds around. You know, I think I wrote in, in this little section right here. I put a little not a little notch out, and I wrote social media to the side mm-hmm. of my my this part of my scripture because holy smokes, man! Yeah. I, when I scroll through Facebook, I'm like, oh, my Lord, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's just all I see is these people who are professing to be Christians. I love Jesus. Donald Trump, FJB, 2024. You know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so hard to, like, like, we have to remember as believers, our identity is not in whatever is going on like, yeah like we can't latch on to whatever political movement or social justice movement or you know whatever pop culture what like i don't even yeah. like i don't even know like i've stopped reading the news <laughs> I you're probably watching better it. off <laughs> i don't care i want to know who won the football games i want to know how like sports is really the only news i care about right now <laughs> Someone will be like, did you hear about the bus that fell off a cliff? No, I didn't. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's an example. I don't think a bus has fallen off a cliff, but if it has, sorry. Um, but, but like, you know, the church right now as a whole is in this such is in such a weird place, and it's like a, if you're not with us, you're against us place, yeah, you know? Like, exactly. Well, and especially, like, we, okay, southern, southern church is vi- like southern U.S. church. I keep having mm-hmm. to remember that people around the world could possibly be listening to this, so I have to remind <laughs> myself, like, Southern what? So Southern United States Church, like, is very conservative, very politically conservative. Yes. Historically, I don't know how far back that goes, but that's the way it is now. And so, like, yeah. the, like conservatism and Christianity go hand in hand, whereas not just – like elsewhere in the world, but elsewhere in our own country, that's not necessarily mm-hmm. the case. Yeah. And so it's this whole, like, just because so-and-so voted for someone you didn't vote for, doesn't make them any less followers of Jesus. Yeah. They're not a heretic because they voted for a Democrat. I'll say right. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Democrats, they're not heretics if they vote for Republicans. There you go. <laughs> so they're only heretics if they vote for Bernie Sanders. I almost said it with a straight face. <laughs> almost said it with a straight that face. That was so good. Sorry. I'm kidding, of course. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, and at the end of the day, when we get to heaven, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Who, it's not going to matter. <laughs> who cares at all? There's no, there's no election <laughs> Tuesday in heaven. Praise Jesus. Like, there's in, no... <laughs> in the words of my favorite heretic that I've never met in person that I want to meet one day, Will Hess, quit being bass backwards. <laughs> You're not wrong. But, but it's, it's so like, why don't we as Christians unite, a, unite for the things that matter and the things that don't matter? Like, okay, you voted for so-and-so. Cool. You do you. I'm going to vote for somebody else over here. We can still be friends. Like that's right. Remember, remember when you could vote for somebody else and be friends with that person? Like it's gone are the days. I know. Like <laughs> it's so it's so dumb. Like I, I hate it. I wish that we could just go back to like 
I wish I could go back to when I was like eight and I didn't care about any of this stuff. <laughs> but then also, when it I seemed like to, nothing mattered. Oh, but I wouldn't be able to drink beer. So I guess that is a, that's a bad <laughs> probably example. Not, probably not a good idea. No. So um, I'll tell you what. What all of this reminds me of this. The, even this whole conversation reminds me of like First Corinthians ten. And you're you're too young to remember this. Um, oh, I, I know what you're talking about though. Okay. So in the '90s, there was these things. They're WWJD bracelets, and everybody, you know, all the kids wore them. Mm-hmm. And and it was you would always ask yourself, what would Jesus do? You know, and I mean, realistically, this is what we're talking about. You know, doing all things without grumbling or complaining is is saying to yourself, all right, in this situation, how would Christ respond to this person? With love yeah. and compassion, with anger, how would he respond to this person? Newsflash. The only time he responded in anger was with the religious people. So I was, I was about to say, like the people, put that in your crack pipe that Joe Biden just sent you and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, had to no, had to plug that, was that amazing. one. <laughs> no, but but I was just thinking about that too. Like I was just thinking, like you know, there's the memes that say whenever someone asks what would Jesus do, remember that flipping tables and cracking whips is a realistic possibility. <laughs> That's a funny meme, and you're not wrong. But he did it in. The house of God, like he did it yeah. <laughs> because the religious people were using the temple as a place to do business. And, and so he, the only time he flipped <laughs> tables was when the priests in the were, was when the priests were messing around in the in the temple. Yes. Yes. So more often than not, Jesus showed love and compassion to people who the religious people would not even look at. Exactly. Which is why he was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. Because he was friendly with sinners, and he was righteous indignation towards righteous people. Quote, righteous people. Let me put my scare quotes up there. You know, but instead of grumbling, in place of grumbling, what can we do? We're, Paul tells us that we're supposed to live um, as shining lights to the world. Mm-hmm. And... This this shining light is supposed to be the opposition of, remember the first part of the verse, a crooked and twisted generation. If you look like, the, and this is the thing about Jesus, yeah, he's accused of being a drunkard, drunkard and a glutton, but everybody still knew he was different. Yeah. The drunkards and gluttons that he was hanging out with knew he was different. The people, the righteous people knew he was different. Yeah. I mean, realistically, Jesus was ticking off everyone. So... If you if everybody's mad at you, you're probably doing something right. To be honest with you, <laughs> that's <laughs> not wrong. Um, this quote, I don't know where you got it. Um, in the notes right here, this one right here. Oh yeah, um, I forgot to note where I got it. It's from. Okay. It's from one of the commentaries. I'm sure it's from one of the commentaries. Yeah, that's where the <laughs> quotes come from. But it says, um, when our conversations with other believers or among outsiders are filled with negative murmuring, we lose our distinctiveness. Yes, I mean. Jesus was Jesus was loving and compassionate to the people who had like I think of like the woman at the well like mm-hmm. she goes to the well by herself and away from like it's just Jesus and the woman at the well and they're the only ones like yeah Jesus knew he she was going to be there he was there on purpose like yeah. And he reveals who he is to the woman at the well. Like he he yeah. tells her like Hey, I'm he, God. He reveals himself <laughs> to her to to this woman who no one would have even talked to. Much like and much less like 
he he's a Jew, she's, she's a Gentile. Like, like you think of all the stuff that. That's John chapter four. She was a Samaritan, wasn't she? Or is she a Samaritan? Not a Gentile. You're right. It was Samaritan. Yeah, yeah. She, but I mean, the the thing is, that's even worse than a Gentile. But the way Jesus interacted with the interacted with the people who were in act uninteractable with social outcasts. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we should act that way with everybody. Yes. The people that are like us and with the people that are not like us. Like we should treat yes. everybody the way Jesus treated the untouchables. Yes. With, I'll, with I'll love and a, compassion. You know, a lot of, there's a there's a time where Jesus says, you know, we need to be like the children and and we need to have faith like a child. Um and I'm going to give an example here from my family because I've seen this and there there are times when um I want to strangle my children and then there are times where I'm like you're not my child because I would have never done something that good. <laughs> and I remember we were on vacation and we were at the pool and my daughter is 10 and she, my, if you've ever met my daughter, she does not know what a stranger is. Okay. She talks to everyone. She is the epitome of social butterfly. And so we go to a pool 10 and a half times out of 10, she's going to make a friend. And that friend is going to be like her new best friend for all of time. That's the only person she's thinking. And and part of, I love that about her because she gives that person total attention. And so I'm sitting on the side of the pool, uh, enjoying rum and Coke or something, enjoying watching her play in the pool. And she starts playing with this little girl and they're just having a blast. They're going up and down the slide. They're doing this circle circular thing. And I'm like, I'm looking at the time. I'm like, okay, we, we got to go. We got to get back to the room. So I walk around the pool and I go to get her and I'm like, come on, it's time to get out of the pool. We got to get back to the room so we can get ready to go. And she's like, Oh, I'm so sad because I, you know, I've got this new friend and we're best friends. And we're like, we're, why are you taking me away from my best friend, dad? And I'm like, you just met this little girl like two hours ago, mm-hmm. less than two hours ago. There's no way your best friend. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but but so I'm getting her out of the pool and then her the other little girl's mom comes walking up and she says, Is that your daughter? And I was like, Yeah. I was like, It looks like our our little girls were playing together. She goes, I just want to say thank you. And I was like, For what? You know, I'm looking around, and I'm like, What what did my what did my child do this time? Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what goes into my mind? And she said her daughter had severe autism and has trouble playing with kids mm. a lot of times. And and so she's not very socially adept or whatever. And she said, your daughter just came over and didn't didn't think twice. Just, yep, let's go play. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. And she said, and they've just played, and I can see the joy in my daughter's face. And I just wanted to say thank you, because for a brief moment, she had a friend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you got to quit talking, lady. You're going to make me cry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like, that's, that's what we're talking about when we're, when we're saying that you give yourself to a group of people, when you act a certain way, yeah. people notice you and they notice that something's different about you. And it's not that you're becoming what those people are. And it's not that you accept what those people are. You know, because you don't accept people living in their sin. Mm-hmm. You don't accept their sin. You can accept the person without accepting the sin. Mm-hmm. And you live in a way that when people look at you, 
they know that there's something different about you, the way you live your life, the way you carry yourself. And it reminds me of Matthew chapter five. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus says, and he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, we're called to be salt and light. And if salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for? If a light's not shining, what is it good for? Yeah. You know, and, and, Imagine, again, I go back to the social media thing. Imagine this whole thing playing out. If you quit complaining about the government and the president on social media, what would happen? You'd probably be a lot happier, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, but if everybody quit complaining about everything on social media, what would happen? I don't know. It's it's a thought that I've, I've ran through my mind a lot mm-hmm. this week as we were, as I was reading this and thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, you're complaining on social media is not going to accomplish anything. Yeah. I mean, unless you have some high position of authority in some government or some, you know, multi-billion dollar company that (laughs) had, you know, your what you rant about on social media is not going to lead to any kind of change. Yeah. And it's not to like invalidate your thoughts or invalidate your words because I mean your thoughts and opinions are valid. But posting about them isn't going to lead to any kind of lasting change. Yeah. So like if you're frustrated with the direction this country is going or if you're upset with this politician who did, you know, such and such or whatever, you know, what's it like posting about it? It's not going to, not going to do anything. I, I no. think about the, I think about the people who are like, like, and this is just good. The easy one. Cause it's the most recent, but like when Georgia won the national championship, mm. go dogs. I mean, but like, <laughs> I know so many people who acted like they like, they were a part of them winning yeah. a national championship. <laughs> and I want to be like, no, like you could be a fan and you could be proud for your team, but you had nothing to do <laughs> with those 18 to 22 year old kids. No beating those other 18 to 22 year old kids <laughs> on a football field. You did zero practice, zero work. Yeah. You know, the best case scenario is you paid a lot of money to get a ticket to go to the game to cheer. That's yeah. the best case scenario. Or <laughs> you, you sent your kid to one of the schools and helped pay for it or whatever. Like, like yeah. I understand that. But even then, like, you didn't have a part of it. So, like, you could be proud, <laughs> but it's 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 a similar thing. So, like, yeah, you're right. If we were more careful about how we wrote on social media or if we just mm-hmm. stopped writing on social media at all, like, like I, I I kind of wish that like the comments option on social media was limited. Yeah. Like like almost like Twitter used to be where like you had like 140 characters and that was all you had like instead of getting like <laughs> novels of responses from your post or whatever. Cuz that's what I I really man we live in a society now where it's like people are hoping to stir up stuff. Yeah. And they're hoping that like their post leads to a debate, yeah, not necessarily Every, conversation, but a debate. And it and everybody wants to be viral for for whatever reason. Yeah, and and it's exhausting. I could not imagine living life that way, and no. and I I have no desire to. So no. Um, but instead of living life that way, what Paul tells us to do 
is is to speak positively. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm on I'm gonna make another '90s reference right here. Uh, he's still Pull popular, I guess, kind of popular today. But you know, if you follow Toby Mac, he has the whole like speak life thing that he mm-hmm. does, and it's cheesy. And I get it. I understand. Okay, but the reality is that Toby Mac gets these verses that we're talking about. When you get mm-hmm. into verse 16, that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, hey, speak life into people. Speak positively. Yeah. You know, don't be someone who's known as negative Nancy or Debbie Downer. Yeah. You know, be optimistic Olivia. <laughs> Sorry, I had to alliterate something there. <laughs> like a good Baptist preacher he had to. <laughs> like a good Baptist preacher. No, um, but, but we should be, like, we have the joy of the Lord in our hearts. Like, we have no right to walk around like, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. You know? Eeyore, that's a great one. (laughs) Woe is me. My coffee gas is 329 a gallon. Like, no, like, who cares? Like, you have the joy of Jesus. Deal with it. Like, like, yeah. You get an opportunity. Like, you go to the gas station, you get an opportunity to share, to show the joy of Jesus to somebody. And if you're driving a small car and they're driving a big pickup truck, like, that's a great opportunity. Now they may they may slap you in the face. I'm just saying, but <laughs> oh man, it's if when we when we take the focus and point it to speaking life into people, we change our mindset. You you know, mm-hmm. you talked about cutting out the news. Man, I cut out the news. In fact, I turned on the news one day, and my wife looked at me and she's like, "Are you sick?" <laughs> I mean, she literally said that to me, and I was like. What am I doing? Why am I turning on the news? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to watch this. Yeah. But we we end up having this attitude that is focused on what Paul talks about. This attitude that seeks to be focused on the return of Christ, the day yeah. of Christ, is mm-hmm. what he calls it in these yeah. in these verses. And Paul's always using this type of like running a race, athletic language. You know, he's going to do it in other places. Obviously, Philippians four thirteen was written about football teams and baseball teams, so you know that's coming. Just kidding. I can do all things through verse taken out of context, but anyway, um, so so let's 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 get to the end of this before we go way too long tonight. <laughs> let's, we've talked about speaking positively, which is what Paul says in verse sixteen and seventeen, and then seventeen and eighteen he talks about rejoicing. Yeah, and and really he talks about rejoicing in the context of sacrifice. Yeah. So let's just walk us kind of right right through those these last two verses that that Paul takes us through. Yeah, so I'm actually going to reread them because I thought they were like a good, they're, mm-hmm. they're good. It's good to remind remind everyone where we're at because it's been over an hour since we read these to begin with. <laughs> um, but here we go. So uh, verse 17, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you in the same mm-hmm. way you also should rejoice and share your joy with me. Um Remember, Paul's writing this in prison, and he would have had every right to complain, and no one would yeah. have thought anything of it. No one would have said, "You know what, Paul? You need to you need to chill with all this complaining." Like <laughs> they could have killed you. You're you're yeah. like, like that. No, Paul is saying Paul would have could have sprinkled like complaints all throughout this letter, but he doesn't. Yeah. He's rejoicing all throughout. Um, and the only thing he wants is for God to use his life, and that's Paul's, mm-hmm. in whatever way he can, whatever way yeah. God sees fit. 
Paul is totally willing and totally on board with whatever God's plan is, even if that means sacrificing his life for the mm-hmm. sake of the gospel. Um, and and again, we've, we've said it before, this shows that Paul's only focus is on the gospel and on yeah. the glory of God. And, and we're going to continue to see that throughout the rest of the letter. Um, and, and, and I mean, in these two verses, here's what he's doing. He's asking the church of Philippi to join him mm-hmm. in this like attitude of um, being willing to sacrifice, being, being willing to, to lay down his life for the gospel and to rejoice with him. Yeah. Regardless of the circumstances. And, and I know we've talked about that already tonight, but, but our circumstances don't dictate our joy. And, and Paul is, I feel like Paul is just trying really hard to drive home that fact yeah. that it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter whatever you're facing. If you have Jesus, you have all you need. Yep. And I think that's what Paul is trying to remind the church of Philippi here. Yes, he is. And that's a great place to put a bow on it. So next week, we're going to talk about Timothy and Epaphroditus, two great people, two great examples. Paul's going to walk us through them. It's going to be good. Yeah, it is. So will you pray for us, Michael? I can and I will. Do it. So, God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this uh, study and this walk through Philippians. Um, Thank you for what we've discussed tonight, God. And I pray that um, we take it to heart. We look for opportunities to share um, your joy with other people. Um, people we know, people we don't, um, help us to be a light for you wherever we go, God, and help and remind us that our circumstances don't dictate our joy. Our circumstances are just opportunities for us to glorify you and to honor you. And God, I pray that you help us to do that. Um, be with us in the next few days and weeks. Um, help us to be more like you, Jesus. Help us to, to see the world's need for you and to, and to be a light um, and an example of who you are to the world around us. Um, we love you. Jesus, we thank you so much for your great love for us. We pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they want to get a hold of us on social media platforms, where would they do such things? If you wanted to find the Beers and Bible podcast on the social medias, you could find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast. Um, you can email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. Um, feel free to reach out to us at any of those with any beer suggestions or questions about anything we've discussed on the podcast. And then you can also visit our website, beersandbiblepodcast.com, and pick up some Beers and Bible merch, like this hat that I'm wearing right here. What? Um, with our logo and our old logo on the side there. And not that we this video may not even be <laughs> posted anywhere. I don't know why I did that. We're using a different thing to record, and so I thought maybe... It's fun. It's fun. Maybe it will end up on the internet. You never know. Maybe it will, but right now it's not. So... I'm wearing a beers and Bible hat, <laughs> so you can that you pick, can buy online. That you can buy <laughs> online at the beers and Bible and um, be sure to check all those out. And we look forward to hearing from you on all those various places. 
So until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out.